Welcome to the Thinking Fellows Podcast. I'm the producer, Caleb Keith, and I'm joined by our hosts, Drs. Rod Rosenblatt, Scott Keith, and Adam Francisco. Follow these great minds as they answer pressing questions about theology, history, and apologetics. This show is brought to you by 1517 The Legacy Project, serving to proclaim the gospel to all people, especially those broken by the church. Welcome to the Thinking Fellows Podcast. I'm producer Caleb, uh, and today I'm joined by two of our regular hosts. Um, surprisingly, uh, this time uh, we're missing uh, Dr. Keith. So with us today are uh, Dr. Rod Rosenblatt and Dr. Francisco. Um, and we have a special guest uh, sitting in in Dr. Chee- uh, in Dr. Keith's chair. Uh, that's uh, Kurt Winrich. Um, and Dr. Keith is probably a little sad because he's been uh, wanting you uh, on the show for a while. Um, yeah. And we've been dying to do a couple episodes with you. Um, Listeners might have heard your name mentioned uh, here or there, uh, and so we're glad to have you. Uh, in a little bit, I'll have you introduce yourself, um, okay. and then we'll jump into the show. Um, but before we jump into the show, I have just a couple quick notes. Um, over the last couple uh, weeks, uh, we've been asking for listeners to please consider uh, donating to the show, um, and we've had some success on that front. So thank you to our new uh, donors um, who have uh, gone and made the jump from making it a free show to a paid show for themselves. Uh, We always appreciate that. It helps us um, bring you new content every week. It helps um, bring some of the special guests that we've had in the past, like uh, Dr. Nestigan and Dr. Kolb. Um, And we want to continue to uh, provide you with those kinds of opportunities to listen to these great minds come and sit around this table or for us to fly out and meet them. Um, And so, again, thank you for donating. And uh, if you still haven't had time to uh, go check out our donate section on the website, if you're thinking about it, um, you can go over to thinkingfellows.com. At the top, there's a big donate tab. If you click it there, you'll get a little more information about how it works. It's a really easy process. You just put your name, email address, credit card information, and the amount. You can add a special note if you'd like to us. And you can also send me an email at the contact us page if you have any further questions about how that process works. Uh, besides that, make sure to catch us on Twitter and Facebook, uh, Thinking Fellows at both places. It's at Thinking Fellows on Twitter. Um, and as well, uh, please go and subscribe using your favorite podcasting app uh, and rate us on iTunes if you have a moment. All right, so let's jump into the meat of today's show. Um, this is a part where I would usually toss it to Dr. Keith, uh, but instead I'm going to toss it over uh, to Kurt to just uh, introduce yourself uh, for a minute. Sure. Thanks, Caleb, and thanks, guys, for having me with you today. Um, Looking forward to this. Yeah, I am uh, just a a, a Lutheran layman, late convert, raised in the church, but um, got a little uh, poke in the eye from Rod Rosenblatt back in the 70s when he was my prof. He made me think about some things. It didn't totally stick at the time, but about 20 years later, I discovered uh, Rod again in Southern California and made my way to his Thursday evening Bible studies. And as they say, the rest is history. Um, I've always been interested in apologetics, even when I was at Westmont College those many moons ago. I was always interested in Walter Martin and Kingdom of the Cults and had Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses coming to the door and always wanted to know how to deal with that. A good friend of mine was very much into that and so he got me going and then years later as I raised children and saw them go off to college 
uh, sort of two and two came together for me in the sense that I realized that apologetics is not just how you talk to those Mormons that come to your door or the JWs. It really is something that our whole culture was uh, attacking Christianity, as it were, the, the, the truth claims. And uh, our children, I noticed it first in my own and then saw others, are woefully unequipped to mm. deal with that. In fact, uh, one of my mottos that I've used in the work that I do here is I never want any one of my students to ever get to college, have some professor challenge them with some crazy thing, and then have the kids say, why didn't my church tell me about that? Right. That's kind of the reason we do what we do. And uh, so I have a lot to, that I owe to Rod on that and the other people that uh, are the big names in that area that have been influential on me. So that's what I do. I'm a businessman the rest of the time, but on Sundays, the highlight of my week, I get to work with high school youth. And that's exactly why uh, we've brought you on today. Um, for those at home, uh, the topic today is going to be apologetics and youth. Um, and this has uh, stemmed out of a, a desire to have Kurt on the show. But um, we also had a listener email us a couple weeks ago, um, and I forwarded that email to the fellows um, who was asking about um, specifically for books for youth um, to read on apologetics. Um, but he was also interested in how to approach this uh, for a youth group or for a Sunday school. Um, and so uh, we thought if that's on one person's mind out there uh, and we wanted to do this anyways, this has got to be kind of a more widespread issue. Yeah. Um, so thank you for uh, coming on the show. Um, so Adam, you've been sitting in on his uh, Bible study, right? on this Sunday school. Uh, what do you notice that's kind of different? Why did you start going to that? You started taking your son, Timmy, for those. Mm -hmm. So so what uh, kind of drove you to going to those? Um, and maybe uh, that's some of the issues of why even Kurt started it, what he mentioned above. Well, a couple of years back, I think it was, I went, I did a presentation on Islam, I think. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was maybe three, four years ago. We and actually had you one night to watch Nabil Qureshi and then That's right. Yeah. Had you um, sort of stop the video and and do a discussion afterwards? Yeah. yeah. yeah well, it it was that experience, um, and also knowing some of the youth that were in that. It was I trust is what you call it. Yeah, the kids and, named it that about eight oh, they, ten okay. years ago, <laughs> and it was in the day when the iPod was new. And well, I always wondered where that came yeah. from. And I'm not it smart enough to put two and two together. Something we let fly, yeah. but it's okay. Well, yeah, it was. I was impressed at just how um, smart these young people were, how engaged they were, and how interested they were in that's questions be the of only apologetic Sunday nature. Class for high and, schoolers in the country where yeah, that's true. Well, when I go and do these things I've, for for years now, I've been going not every weekend, but it seems like every weekend to to a church here, there, and everywhere to talk on Islam or apologetics. And um, sometimes I'll do a Sunday morning thing. You know, they'll have me stay over or they'll, there'll be a Q&A time where I'm asked real practical questions. How do we do this at the, the local parish? Sure. And I always, it was after that experience, I always tell them, just do it with the youth first and see what the reaction is. Because I guarantee, I guarantee you that they're going to get excited about this. Because this is stuff they wrestle with and they don't, they're not really necessarily, it's not the church's fault per se, but they're not, get, they're not being equipped to deal with the stuff they meet at their local high school or in college or what have you. And so the first experience was seeing 
the youth at our church get so uh, what would what would they what word would they use amped up <laughs> on apologetics. <laughs> Um, the second thing is my son, who's 12, has, because of a lot of things, um, the big thing has been the, a real practical problem with evil that we have in our family with my brother dying a couple of years ago. My son has all of a sudden asked all these very tough, skeptical type questions. And it started with the question, well, why is it if God is so good and loving, he would allow this to ha- happen to Uncle Josh? And uh, I mean, and then from there, it was these questions like, well, you tell us, you, you've been telling me about Jesus rising from the dead, but isn't that just a story? You, you know, he'll phrase it the way a 12-year-old would phrase mm-hmm. it. But when he was asking these questions, he's looking for real answers. And so uh, it's really hard as a parent uh, to not get um, excited and maybe a little angry, perhaps, <laughs> in responding. And I, my wife and I, I think we have done a pretty good job at being cool mm-hmm. with it, but we also recognize that uh, we're his parents, and he probably needs to hear this from other people. And um, no kidding, we took my son to the first I Trust couple, maybe a month or two months ago, and uh, even though a lot of the stuff we talked about in that class is the same things my <laughs> wife and I talked to him about, mm-hmm. he said right after that first meeting, that was really interesting. Um, I, and at one point he said, I really like how they're looking at the evidence or something like mm-hmm. that. And uh, so that's why I'm going. I'm going there for my son, but I'm also going there because I'm, I'm learning things. When you did some stuff with the f- uh, fine-tuning argument, when oh, you were yeah. looking at, um, sure. I think uh, it was Lee Strobel's case for faith, I believe. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm learning stuff, and I'm also learning how, or trying to, watching your example, how to communicate this to a young audience. You know, my, I spend my time in the college classroom or at the churches speaking to adult mm-hmm. groups. And uh, I'm of the mind that, uh, and there's been a lot of studies on this, or there have been a lot of studies on this, that uh, we're losing our, Christianity is decreasing in terms of its influence and numbers and so on. Um, not because we're losing adults, but because we're losing the youth. Even before they go off to college, they've yep. already made up their minds, yep. some studies suggest, that once they get away from out of their parents' house, uh, they're gone. I, there's a book, it was a real popular level book, uh, I forget who, who wrote it, called Already Gone, that said when they're in, in, in youth group, they're, they've already made up their mind uh, that mm-hmm. they're gone. And the, that study said the reason why is because in, in Bible study or youth group, they're mostly learning morality. Mm-hmm. You're not yep. not dealing with the uh, the mm-hmm. tough issues that would prepare them for college or or, or a secular type of a critique of Christianity. Right. So that's that's my reason, and I have to say, um, again, to talk about I trust at our church, uh, it is just the, hearing these. I don't know. They must be 14, 15, 15. Yeah. Well, there's some 17-year-olds there, okay. but it, yeah. it ranges from seventh grade to senior in high yeah. school. Ha- having them, I mean, watching, they're watching these videos, and then they're dialoguing over the, the debates they watch or the, the, the uh, content in the video, just how intelligent these young people are uh, and how excited they are um, to talk about it and to interact with with Kurt here. It's just, it's remarkable. It's nothing I never, I ever experienced growing up in youth group. Exactly. And uh, I've, I've not seen it anywhere else. Exactly. 
it was standard when I had students in class to say, look, if you're in the field of ed or DCE, Director of Christian Education, just go visit once because I'm sure you've never seen anything like this. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's yeah. not that it's anything magical either. Mm -hmm. it's, <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I've became convinced of, maybe maybe in raising kids, I don't know where I got this, but you know, some of this I just stumbled into. But the the main thing I do is I don't think of them as high school students. Mm -hmm. I think of them as peers. And we're learning together, and, and I treat them that way. In fact, I, I have some uh, stuff that I wrote, I don't remember when I wrote this, like eight, ten years ago, but some foundational relational principles that I use to establish what we do at, at iTrust. And the number one one is we're going to treat you as adults. I'm not going to try to make it something that I think young people would mm -hmm. find more interesting. Now, I do make a concession in, in that almost every piece of curriculum that I use is video. Mm -hmm. So we watch things. And mm -hmm. what a better way to get the best people in the world to come to your class. <laughs> right. 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 So save a lot of money on flights. Yeah, yeah, a lot of money on flights and hotels. Exactly. So, you know, we see we've today we watched Bill Craig, one of the best Christian philosophers out there, with Lee Strobel of course, and John Montgomery all the time on videos that I have of him and uh, Stephen Meyer of the Discovery Institute on that um, on the idea of intelligent design and information, and all these things have one big big goal, and that is again think back to what I said a moment ago. If they get to college, basically the message they're going to get in most cases is almost a repeat of what Tim said. That isn't that just a story? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and they're going to get this. You are just believing a fairy tale. And, and yeah. my, my whole issue, my whole number one thing is to have them go out of there knowing that, no, this stuff is actually true. There's good evidence for it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think, you know, I, I don't expect anybody, and this is, you know, people that maybe think, oh, how could I do that? I don't know anything. Well, I think, I think anybody can do this if they're committed to that idea that this stuff can be shown to be true. Find great videos of great people, and we can supply lists. I'll give Caleb some stuff to put up on the website. Um, look at those things, and your objective is not to have these high school kids get out of there having a degree in apologetics. Mm -hmm. Right. My objective is simply for them to know that later on when they hear something, they go, you know what? My church did tell me about that. I can't really remember what they said, mm -hmm. but I know who to call. Remember that old dude, Winrich guy? I could, I could call him up, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's the same thing that I did when I had Rod as a prof. And I'd hear something that about uh, either Luther or Lutheranism. I knew if I, if I ever found him again, he's a guy I could ask for the parts I didn't understand, you know? But that's the idea is get that little thing in their head that says, you know what? This isn't a fairy tale. Maybe I can't remember the argument for it, but I know people who do. Mm -hmm. I think that just takes you 100 miles down the road to where you got a kid whose faith is less vulnerable, I'll call it. Sure. Uh, it's amazing. I try, try to tell this to pastors. <clears throat> Two-thirds or more of this is putting people in contact with really great material. Yeah. And never, 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 never putting crap into their hands. Yeah. Um, that, for some people, has been just sort of amazing. You don't have to get a degree in this. Mm -mm. 
in the average conversation, one of the best things you can do is to give them the best source you know of. Yeah, yeah. This morning I asked Kurt if I could see his library of uh, DVDs, sort of a stack of them up front. Mm-hmm. He said, sure. And he said, and look at these. He opens up this <laughs> I don't know, must be 200 There's DVDs. 200 probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but just, on every conceivable subject. Yeah, they're all over the place. And that's, and that's what we try to do in the class. The other, the other thing that I've done with the youth, and there will come a day, he said, hopefully, that 1517 actually has some sort of a... A, a formal curriculum for this. That's a, a vision we have with working with Dr. Van Voris as mm-hmm. our new director of curriculum to to try to get some of this stuff um, published, as it were. Mm-hmm. But from day one, we've thought that there are there are four things that I'm trying to do with these kids, and I we call them the pillars of I trust. And the first one is to teach the kids how to think well which is, you know, it used to be something you could assume that people could think. <laughs> I'm not sure it is any longer, but yeah. uh, so much of what they will hear in, in their, among their peers in high school and certainly in college represent um, things that are just logical problems, fallacies, circular reasoning, false dichotomies, um, what I sometimes call postmodern cliches of relativism, pluralism, what is truth? You know, those kinds of questions. So we spend some time uh, working on thinking well. The other thing that we, the second pillar is that one that I already hinted at is why what we believe is true, the reliability of our documents and facts. And the third is, then is theology, which sounds funny to do um, maybe, but maybe not. I, I think one of the big problems today is students, young people, don't actually really know what Christianity is. Yeah. Even though they go to church. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's somebody, it may have been you, Adam, that said something about um, just moral teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think that, uh, well, as, as some folks have said, Christianity is just about good people getting better. And it's not even close to that. It's a That's a caricature at best, yeah. in, if not an outright falsehood, you know? Mm. Um, so I talk, one of the things we do is say, what, what do we believe? What is Christianity? And so in our class, of course, we do Christianity in, the, in general, if that means anything, but um, the Lutheran view particularly and how that differs um, from others. And then why do we believe it, which I said connects to the evidence pillar. And then the last one that I always do is I try to do what I call real life. I don't know what, I didn't come up with a very good name for that, but it's sort of the implications of all this. Okay, if this is true, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, if your sins are really forgiven, what do you do now? It's, it's sort of the so now what that years ago you guys on White Horse Inn did, which is one of my favorite series. Um, so that's where I, I look at social outreach, evangelism, those things that, that basically are the, the love your neighbor part of Christianity. So um, those are the four big things. And my, my theory in my class is just every four years I have a complete turnover in students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just work mm-hmm. through these in four-year cycles. But right now I kind of do it off the cuff. I need to get it formalized. And I think that, w- that could help a lot of people. So Absolutely. The dreams anyway. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I think that is a good place to take our break. Uh, Once we come back, uh, we'll dive into this a little deeper, maybe field some more questions at Kurt.
welcome to our break. Um, today on the show, instead of just focusing on uh, one particular book or audio resource or something like that, uh, we're going to kind of address uh, that listener question that we had emailed to us a couple weeks ago because it flows uh, so well into uh, the topic today. And we're going to talk about books that you can suggest uh, to youth to read on a apologetics or uh, that you might want to introduce as part of a curriculum on apologetics or something like that. Uh, so what we're going to do is um, I'm just going to kind of go around the table and say if there was one or two books uh, you would suggest um, for youth that down kind of at uh, that lay level reading, uh, what would you do? And so um, I think we'll start with Kurt. You're our guest. So one All or right. two books that you would uh, pass on to the youth. Well, I'm, and I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to push back a little Caleb right oh, okay. there. Um, as you heard me say, one of the things I really believe in working with youth is to not think of them as youth, mm. quite honestly. So uh, every time you said, what do you recommend for youth? I'm going to say, wait a minute. These are, these are books that I recommend for anybody, including young kids, because I think we don't give young kids enough credit for how bright they are and how much they can understand. So with that little pushback, I'll tell you the books that I've uh, found. One of the ones that I've been using in class, and this is, as you heard me say earlier, this is my thing, video is nice because it brings those great authors right in there. So one series is the Lee Strobel series, and um, it's called The Case for Christ. There's another one called The Case for Faith. Um, he has actually a couple of others in there. Uh, that I can't even remember their titles. But the thing about those books is they're eminently readable. They come from the perspective of a journalist who specialized in legal cases. And what's beautiful about that in my world, in my book, is that that's based on evidence that supports historical things. Mm -hmm. it's how, do you, how do you decide that, how do you conclude whether or not something happened in history Etc. And, and these books lay that out really nice. So the case for Christ, the case for faith. Case for faith deals more with the hard questions of Christianity, uh, problem of evil kind of thing that we hinted at earlier. A case for Christ is a little more about did Jesus actually exist? Did he rise from the dead? Did he claim to be God? Those kinds of things that, uh, again, when you get to college, a lot of prophets are going to say, "Oh, Jesus never claimed to be God." You know? Yeah, one of the one of the outstanding books about the case for Christ, Strobel, as a journalist, picked the right guys to interview. That's mm. right. In each case, that's good. So he he makes sure to do his his homework. Yeah. Yeah, and he sort of gives you a model for how you can do it. You know, who do you you go to authorities. Mm. You, you compare different authorities. You, you compare the evidence that's available. But it's eminently readable. Um, it's entertaining even because it's, a, it's sort of a, a biographical story of how he, a former atheist, came to believe that the, the things of the Bible are actually true. And it changed his life, as you might guess. Yeah, I would say one of the... Um I, I read it, um, I had to read it uh, for core theology, actually, at, at Concordia. Uh, was my first time interacting with it. Um, and uh, the thing that's notable about it is that um, he doesn't make it kind of what I think a lot of people are afraid of in apologetics, is making it overly uh, philosophical. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of uh, people are typically afraid if they haven't interacted a lot with philosophy to get into that realm. Uh, and so... Um, he makes it very tangible. It's yeah. it's a it's a story, and it's very easy to follow along. Um, and it deals with really basic questions. Right. What's the state of our Greek New Testament text? That's right. And then he goes and gets the best guy on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Well done. All right, great. That's a that's a great suggestion. Um, Rod, you had a couple that you, uh, during when we were off air, uh, wanted to emphasize. Well, I've always used for young people, Paul Little's Know Why You Believe. He did another called How to Give Away Your Faith. But Know Why You Believe is a basic one, and it can be handled by high schoolers. Mm-hmm. And again, he was in the trenches um, with InterVarsity years and years and years. So bad answers got clobbered and good ones survived. <laughs> um, uh, he preached my ordination before I was in the Missouri Synod, and as I said, the word got out, and everybody, Western Washington, who belonged to InterVarsity, showed up for a Lutheran ordination. They didn't know what an ordination was, and they couldn't spell Lutheran, but they <laughs> knew Paul Little was going to be speaking. <laughs> <laughs> that was all it took. Um, those books are still available today. They, yeah, they still are available. Yeah, this. Uh, so I'm looking at it on Amazon, and of course I'll have all of these in the show notes. Um, yes, this looks like a very updated com- uh, version compared to the one that I was uh, passed down. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a. Uh, it's also very good read. Um, I I read this. Um, I think uh, early freshman year in high school. So um, it's it's very easy to get through. Yep. Uh, it's it's down to earth. Um, good cartoons. Good cartoons. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, in between the chapters. Yeah. It's um, it's it's great. Um, I think too. Even if there's concepts, I think one of the things that uh, Kurt was talking about earlier was um, by doing this, you've provided them a person that they can go to also, right? Not only just the ideas, um, because they're not going to master the material and yeah. um, right away, right? Uh, somebody they can go to. Um, and so, I think with all of these books, keep in mind is if they hit something that they need to question further. Um, the people who hand these to them to read or suggest that they read them and things like that, um, you probably also should read it so that you can help them through some <laughs> sure. of these questions that they yeah. might there are they very might few, there are very few books that actually be, are written to give to non-christians <clears throat> but that's worth keeping in mind um ff bruce's the new testament documents are they reliable um the other one i'd like to mention is dr montgomery's used to be called history and christianity is now titled History, Law, and Christianity. He was given over national Canadian television to rebut a philosophical one that preceded him uh, that all used, the fellow used all secondary sources. And they asked Lewis to come over and rebut. He said, I'd love to, but I've had a heart attack and I think my traveling days are oh. done. So they went to Dr. Montgomery. History, Law, and Christianity. And a high schooler can handle it. It's short. Yeah. Um, and it's a great outline for the historical argument and the pieces parts of that. So I'd, I'd uh, certainly recommend that one. It's short. It's readable and uh, intense, but, uh, but short. Yeah, it packs a lot into those 110 uh, pages. Yeah. Um, it's the classical historical argument. Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, mm-hmm. It is. Par excellence. Yep. Yeah. After the debate, uh, Stroll's friend was there with him, and uh, Dr. Montgomery nailed him on the earliness of our Christian sources. And the fellow in classics got so frustrated, he said, all right, then I'll give up my knowledge of the classical world. <laughs> and his friend said, you can't do that. That's your field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah John, John loves that story. It's, that's amazing that if they... They, people just will throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. yeah that's Another one worth mentioning, and this is up free already, I, I think, on our site. Paul Little, it's just a leaflet from the old His Magazine of InterVarsity. 
Paul Little, What Non-Christians Ask. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Four, four pages or something. Mm. What Non-Christians Ask. Mm. There's another one that I've been impressed with that came out lately by a fellow named J. Warner Wallace. And what got my attention is that his field, his career, was as a cold case detective. Hmm. And he was in Southern California, I think. So, and as you know, a cold case is something that's that's happened years and years ago, and has gone cold, the, reached a dead end in the original investigation, and then sometimes the way it goes down is, you know, forty years later, some new piece of evidence turns up, and you have to try to wake up that cold case. And and it got my attention because, in many ways, that's what we get criticized for sometimes is that. You're talking about, you Christians are talking about this stuff that happened 2,000 years ago, and we have writings, but we don't really know when they were written, and gosh, we listened to, um, what is Richard Carrier today, saying we don't know when they were written, we don't know who wrote them, we don't know anything. You know, he just made it sound like it was a complete hopeless case. Um, Of course, we challenge that, but a cold case detective is about that idea of going back in time and how do you best figure out what actually happened from the evidence that's there? How do you determine whether evidence is contemporary or not, whether it's reliable or not? Right. So he, he has written, this guy Jay Warner Wallace has written two books. One's called God's Crime Scene, where it's a cold case detective examines the evidence for a divinely created universe. That's sort of about, did God create things? And then the other one that it was his first book was called Cold Case Christianity, and the subtitle is A Homicide Detective Investigates the Claims of the Gospels. Mm, terrific. And so these things are really well done. Um, and, you you know, the angles that we've talked about today, I think, history-long Christianity is comes from the historian and the lawyer. The, the least durable stuff comes from the uh, the aspect of a journalist. Mm-hmm. Think about how we're ta- what we're talking about. All these things are how do you determine truth? The lawyer, mm-hmm. evidence, verdict. The journalist, investigative reporter, to get the truth, and now a homicide cold case detective. All of them are trying for that same thing, and that's the angle that I think is the most fruitful, especially, as you said, Rod, earlier, for folks that are trained in the hard sciences. This yeah. is this is what we are used to, and I, I say we because I was trained as an engineer. So. Sure. Uh, we're used to this. We we can relate to it, and we, probability reasoning yeah. is every week in the exactly. lab. Yeah, exactly. So that's another pair that I like by Jay Warner Wallace. They're good. Um, I think another one that we ought to at least mention. It's an old classic, old still twentieth century. Frank Morrison. Ah, who moved, moved the stone. stone? And it's Morrison with one R, not two. Frank Morrison. That was who a nom de stone. plume, wasn't it? I don't know. Maybe think, it was. I think it was a nom de plume. I'm not sure who it really is, but huh. that's how it goes. <laughs> but that Morrison. one's been read by thousands, and they've appreciated it. He was not a lawyer, but he was legally trained. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't have his JD, but everything but. <laughs> Frank Morrison, Who Moved the Stone? Now, it drives somebody like me crazy because he wants to know... Where was Peter Thursday at 8 p.m.? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's as a lawyer would do it. And he ends up saying, if you've got a better explanation, I haven't heard it yet. Well, you know what's really kind of cool about all these? Strobel, uh, J. Warner Wallace, Frank Morrison, and pr- probably not Paul Little, but, uh-huh. uh, but those three at least 
all three of them actually set out to show that Christianity was false. And when they mm. examined the evidence, they had to change their mind. And, oh. and that makes me think of Antony Flew, the sure. famous atheist philosopher who actually went where the evidence led, finally, and mm-hmm. acknowledged that there was some kind of a God. I don't think he ever got to understand who God was, but right. could it, tell there was one. Sort of a modern deist. Yeah, but this idea that... Uh, Strobel was definitely an atheist. His wife became a Christian. He did. He wanted to show that she was wrong, and he ended up wow. deciding it was true. Yeah. Frank Morrison was the same. He set out to prove the resurrection didn't happen and had to change his tune. And same with J. Warner Wallace. He was an atheist, and his wife became a Christian, and he had. To, he was trying to show that she was wrong, and he changed his mind. And that's remarkable to me, and and I think actually pretty wonderful. I think it's pretty great. We've talked in the past um, uh, about some of the intersection uh, where people who uh, want to or say they they need scientific evidence or mm-hmm. some sort like that, but uh, have these pre. Uh, preconceptions that they're not going to let go of, right? Mm-hmm. They, they want a science to prove what they're saying, and if right. it doesn't, you know, they fall back into some sort of, oh, well, miracles can't happen, yeah. uh, circular not reasoning a, type things. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Adam, did you have anything you wanted to toss uh, into the mix? Well, this would be more for, you know, your reading high schooler, but uh, two books by Jim Sire or James Sire, uh, one is The Universe Next Door, a basic worldview catalog. It's not necessarily apologetics, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a it's a great overview on the major worldviews that pervade the Western world ever since the 17th century. And why? Yeah, and it so and it does. What's really good about it is it's um, it's very objective, or as objective as one can be, looking at a worldview that's foreign. Mm-hmm. Uh, or different than your own. Mm-hmm. And he does, I mean, the, the footnotes are, I'm a, I love footnotes. You know? mm-hmm. And the footnotes are a gold mine. He, he's drawing from primary texts from those particular worldview traditions. But then towards the end of each chapter, uh, he offers a, I, maybe I can use the term gentle critique, you know, mm-hmm. where they fall short logically mm-hmm. or in terms of the evidence. Um, and it's just a great book for understanding why people think and act the way they do. It's not because they're necessarily irrational apes. Right. Uh, it's because their worldview permits them to do this or, or yep. think mm-hmm. this way. Mm-hmm. Um, the other book is, is more apologetics, and it's been a long time since I've read this. I just made a note to myself to pick it off the shelf when I get back to my office on Monday. It's called uh, Why uh, Should Anyone Believe Anything at All? Great title. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's a great title, especially for a sort of so-called postmodern context where everybody says whatever yeah. to, to believe. You know, you can believe whatever you want. Yep. And he argues um, st- kind of for a Christian worldview, if you will. It's kind of a reform move, if you will. But uh, it's still, it's very user-friendly, uh, very easy to understand. I think that the first time I read it was in your apologetics class. Mm-hmm. Um, so great, great book. Um, I you know I could add more to that, but I think I should probably stop. Well, those are two good ones. Yeah, yeah. No, we have a good list here. This is definitely going to be a a chock full uh, show notes, which is um, which is fantastic because these are these are like Kurt said, these are great resources, not just uh, for youth, but for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And 
that's kind of good. I would, uh, personally, I would add one that I just read recently. Um, it's by J.P. Moreland. It's called Love Your God With All Your Mind. And uh, I think this is kind of like a pre-apologetic is how I would um, s- state it. Uh, it's about kind of uh, Christianity's recession from uh, reason and logic. Anti-intellectualism. Uh, yeah. Um, and so I think that one's actually a really good primer for um, students who... Uh, maybe not like high intellectual Lutheran type of uh, children or or youth or uh, anybody who's grown up in that tradition, but your evangelical friends, uh, for sure. Uh, People who focus more on emotions and facts. Uh, This kind of brings out why those two things play hand in hand. Um, You you can't uh, remove um, uh, facts from the emotional equation or else you have nothing to base anything off of. That's right. Um, And so uh, this book kind of... um, it's written by uh, an evangelical uh, from, who came out of this kind of uh, um, worldview. Um, and so this is, uh, I think, an excellent one to kind of throw in there. Um, kind of what uh, Dr. Francisco was getting at, some of epistemolo- epistemological resources uh, as well. We'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention the, the uh, apologist of the century. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Um, now, Lewis accomplishes what he accomplishes without ever hiding behind polysyllabic words. Mm -hmm. But he's such a great thinker that don't be seduced by that. It can be tough going even when he doesn't use a polysyllabic word throughout. Um, But the case for Christianity is Mm -hmm. just... There are zillions of Christians who owe their lives to that book. The Case for Christianity, or the broadcast talks given during the Blitz in London. He had gone to Churchill and said, what can I do for the war effort? And Churchill answered back, those kids who are flying Spitfires, nine out of ten of them are going to die in their cockpits. You seem to be able to explain to people how to go to heaven in a way the priests can't. <laughs> So he went every night to RAF bases and did those talks again and again and again and again and again and again and again. BBC lost them. They they never lost how to raise turnips in your British backyard. <laughs> they lost the Lewis's broadcast talks. But it, we'd be remiss if we didn't wow. mention him. And the problem of pain. Um, yeah. Goodness gracious. Mm. It ought to be on the list at least. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, <clears throat> uh, just know that you're reading the works of somebody who on the Sunday after the day he died, November 22nd, 1963, same day Kennedy was shot. Who else and, died that day? Uh, the atheist Aldous Bi- Huxley, Huxley yeah, yep. died that day, all three of them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the New York Times, the Sunday obit said that perhaps Lewis was the greatest mind of the 20th century. Now, I think physicists, Bohr, and others, but just that you could say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, he's a convert. Uh, yeah, somebody from outside. Yep. He, he, what he held as a, as a young man, as a tutor even, there in either Oxford or Cambridge was idealism. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean what it means to us. We would think happy false thoughts, but idealism is a philosophy from Hegel. And one time a student asked of him, how do you apply your Hegelianism to your daily life? He was devastated. Hmm. Lewis was devastated hmm. and started looking into the Christian claim. 
when he became a theist, his line was, and there I was, kneeling by my bedside, the unhappiest convert in all of England. <laughs> that was to theism. Then from there on, Tolkien pressed him. Mm-hmm. Tolkien, the Orthodox Roman Catholic, pressed him, what are you going to do with Christ? And it was liar, lunatic, legend, or lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> later on he wrote, we were, my brother and I were in a motorcycle. I was in the sidecar and we were going to visit the Whipsnade Zoo. When we left for the <laughs> zoo, I didn't believe Jesus was God. <laughs> when we arrived at the zoo, I did. <laughs> hmm. That's great. Um, so what was going to be a break segment uh, kind of turned into the second half of the show, um, which is totally fine by me. Uh, I think uh, you were talking about videos in the first half that you incorporate too. So resources are a huge piece of this, right? Um, the people yes. who teach yes. are not one-man armies That's right. uh, involved uh, with this. There are a lot of uh, helps to go with it. Uh, and so, Kurt, as a, I guess as a closing question here uh, to kind of round out the show, um, I was wondering... If you were going to give uh, just a, a, a summary or a roundup or a piece of advice to pastors, DCEs, uh, volunteers, people who are involved with um, training uh, the youth theologically um, and apologetically, how would you uh, suggest to them to start to introduce these things or, or to, uh, to do this since you've been doing this for so long? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, to be honest, I haven't really thought about that much, but as you're asking, it's coming to me that one of the things that I've seen happen at our church actually now it's probably true that I stepped up years ago because this was something that I was concerned about and wanted to do but but I have seen some things go on at our church that I think are might be a great way to to try to find out who's interested because ultimately what I was going to say was see if you can find I would recommend a layman, but I don't know why really, but I would, um, that is interested in the truth of the faith, the truth of the, of the Christian claims, that um, is got probably a hard sciences background. Yes. I think. Amen. Um, and, and just see if you can find one of those in your congregation. And as I thought about how in the heck do you find one of those, um, I began to think that maybe a thing for pastors to think about is to is to take some of these resources that we'll put up on the show notes page, um, whether it be the Lee Strobel Case for Christ video or some of the others that we'll list, and and maybe show them to your congregation. Yeah. Have a have a Wednesday night kind of thing where you invite everybody out, and I've seen this happen at our church where you you do something like that, and there's somebody in the congregation that night that goes, "Oh my gosh, that's what I want to do." Hmm. Um, it, it happened at Faith Lutheran. I'm, I'm thinking of a specific example that I won't bore you with, but um, that's that'd be an interesting way to do it. Just actually show people that we have good evidence for the truth that's going to help your congregation to start, and you might just find that person in there that's just sort of been thinking about it and says, I would like to do something like that. <laughs> that'd be one way I'd suggest you you try to find someone and then just have this resource that we will be listing all these different options, the books we've talked about, the videos that I'll give you a list of, and just say, here, here's some materials. Just go for it. And we're going to end up offering outlines of those materials. That's Lewis right. Lewis and the others. That's right. Which really are walk-through, highlight, you can highlight it and just go from the outline itself to the presentation you want to do. All those, we'll, 
I think I've reached now uh, between 400 and 500 of these Christian classics. Yeah. yeah. And they're made for that. Yeah. No, I've gotten to look over some of those when I, as I was doing a lot of that scanning work uh, last year. And, um, yeah, these are going to be fantastic resources um, for people. Um, I think especially those who... Um, in the church volunteer to teach and things like that um, because you can. You can teach from these very easily. They're very adaptable yep. uh, to what's going on. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that uh, that's kind of a good place to start to wrap up the show here. Um, you know, 1517, one of the biggest goals at 1517, and I tell people this all the time as I go out and do things or as people ask me, what are you guys doing over there, um, is you know, providing resources. Right. Uh, and part of the way we do that is by producing our own resources, like these outlines that are going to become available um, in the near future. Uh, this project is high up on the list of things to get done, uh, as well as some of these books that we've talked about. Um, you know, 1517 publishes um, books as well, but then we also have, um, you know, we are not afraid of the outsiders. In fact, we encourage you to go to the outside. And so uh, this uh, episode is hopefully going to be uh, one of those big resources uh, for people this week. Um, the show notes are going to be thick, people. So uh, make sure to go to thinkingfellows.com. Um, there you'll be able to get all of the linkable show notes. Those will go to the various pages on Amazon or wherever those books are available so that people can buy them. And then I'll also include uh, the lists of videos um, that Kurt has for me. Some of those I'm sure will be DVDs. Others might be YouTube videos and the like that you might be able to access directly. Um, so make sure to go check those out, share it with your friends, uh, share it with your pastor and, um, have a good week guys. We'll catch you next episode.